I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Female guitarist on the far stage right. She was wearing all white. All white? Yeah. I was like, man, I fucking know her. Like, how do I know her? She looked really familiar. Do I know her? And I was like, oh, you know what? She She must be like, she must play here in the city. She must be, they must have got like a local... Who she, does she play with Mo Kenny? Like, who's she? And I was like, she no, kind of looked, like, fu- looked like Mo Kenny. And then I was like, she fucking knows every song no. in and out. Oh, yeah. Hold on. They were vibing together. And then I went, oh, my God, dude, that's Allie's wife. My friend Allie, the puppeteer from Toronto. They oh. used to work with uh, CBC Kids. I like how you uh, call her Allie, the puppeteer. I mean, wow. it's the only way. I, yeah, it's, I, you know. She's a puppeteer. <clears throat> and so, uh, Mama Yama. So I... Uh, I text, I, I message Allie with a video of the guitars. I was like, check out the babe on stage. And she's like, dude, I'm backstage. I was like, what the fuck? You just so, hadn't seen her in forever. I hadn't seen her forever. So she, uh, she invited Becca and I back, gave us VIP passes, and we hung out with the band after. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's uh, Afy like? He seems really, like he's the man. Really sweet. Yeah. His wife, uh, Naomi, is even sweeter. Show me, Naomi. So I said to her, I was like, wait, you're, you're Naomi. the Naomi. And, he, <laughs> and she's like, yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's rad. All right. Well, well, I'm I'm excited for a whole bunch of things. Uh, as, aside from the fact that we're going to go watch a Halifax Wanderers game later, uh, I'm real excited to get into this recording today because I have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> However, is that an oxygen tank tube? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I can. Do I hear it? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Can, yeah. Oh, that's right. It's like ge- it's generating power. Listen to that. Yeah. Thing. It's a portable oxygen tank. And it has, um, it just uh, pulls air, f- like oxygen from the air. And then just Man. pumps it through those those tubes that yep. attach to your nose. It's yep. funny because when we first sat down on the mics, I could hear that in the background. I'm like, what? What is what? What is generating that sound? We gotta fu- we gotta figure out what that is and shut it off. No, man. yeah, yeah. Could you, <laughs> shut, could, yeah you fuck, could, you, could you shut that fucking thing off, <laughs> please? Just sure. I'll yeah. just turn it off yeah. and then I'll pass it. That'd be yeah. okay. Yeah. If you don't mind, just for yeah. the hour. No that's problem. Awesome. That's okay. It's, well, it's what, crazy how far oxygen tanks have come. Like, it it is. I mean, yeah. for so for our listeners who don't know, it's, um, it's not even really it's not even really fair to call it a, a tank. No, yeah, really. you, no. you've got like you've got this like little bag. Yeah, it's in a little backpack. A little backpack. It's like an oxygen computer. I was actually having a conversation with my friend Maria the other day, who's an RT, and oh, yeah. I was I was asking her about oxygen tanks versus you know the ones that like you see on the dolly oh, yeah. versus the one you have there, yeah. and uh, because you know there's a likelihood that I'm going to need one of those at some point in my oh, life, okay. and uh, she was telling me about the entire process of basically testing her her patients. Uh, with whether or not they can have those, the one that you have, or whether right. they need like the, the larger tanks. 
Um, not everybody can like can have the small one. That's right. Um, Yeah. So it's a, you know, based on your, on what you need, I guess. Based on intake and outtake, I think. Right. Yeah. Because this one doesn't have the uh, continuous (coughs) oxygen. So what it does when I sniff, it gives me a breath. Like it gives me Oh, really? Oh. All you do is have, so you, you're the one in control. Yep. Oh. So if you didn't sniff, it's not going to do anything. No. It won't deliver anything. Because I had one of those on when I was really young in the hospital for some reason. I can't remember why, but it was like constantly. Yeah. I almost found it hard to breathe out. Yeah. There's, there's continuous oxygen, which I have at home. Mm-hmm. I have a bigger version of this, but it, can, it gives you uh, continuous oxygen all the time. Mm-hmm. So I need that 24-7 when I'm at home. And then when I go out, I come out with this. Right. Because yeah. it's just like you can, you can kind of get away with, with, with not as much for a brief, for yeah. a brief period. And it's on a scale because it's, like, um, it, it's like it goes from one to five. Mm-hmm. So three is where I usually am if I'm just hanging out. But if I'm walking, I might need it up to four or five. Right, okay. Because if not, I'll get short of breath. Right. Now what, about, what, about, what about these Halifax Hills? I can't do them. You can't fuck with that? No. Okay, well... Uh, that, that was hard. That's what happened to me last night at the concert. Oh, right, because you went to go see Def Leppard. Yep. Jerry, you missed Rocking it. Rocking the so, fuck out. So right before you got here, Laura was telling us this story where she was like driving over with her friend and, and she was saying like, <laughs> I should have got dropped off at the, at the door, but like we were having this conversation and I like was just really into it and we ended up driving straight to the parking garage and I was like, shit, I got to now walk over there. And, like, you know when you're walking outside of Scotia Bank Center and you have to, like, go up the hill? It's a steep-ass hill. And she was getting close to the top, and, and uh, this security guard uh, by the door was like, oh, that, that woman looks like she needs some help. So he came over, and he's like, um, like oh, hang on. Like, I'll get you a wheelchair, and I'll push you up. But Laura was like, I don't know if you want to push me up, because if you let me go... I'm, I'm going go flying down, down that hill. I was Zooming. like, oh my God, if he lets go, I'm dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm in traffic, I'm just gone. We were talking about this before, and I was saying that it reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where they let the rickshaw go down, oh, yeah, <laughs> go yeah, down yeah, the hill. Yeah. Uh, Laurel, why? So, um, I don't even know what we're here to talk about. Why do you have an oxygen uh, tank? Well, I have methylthelioma. Methylthelioma? Yep. Methylthelioma. First time, I think, in my life I've ever heard that word. Well, not many people know what it is. And basically, it's the lining of all your organs is covered by, like, a well, lining. And it's called a methylthelium. And so this is, you get this uh, disease by being exposed to asbestos. It's the commercials. Oh, I see shit. the commercials. Yeah. You see the commercials on all the American channels. Like, yeah. if you have methylthelioma, call this number and we'll get money for you or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was probably exposed like 30 years ago, which is weird because I would have been in high school. Mm-hmm. And at PA. Uh, at PA. Yeah. <laughs> we went to PA. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. You got. So, wait. You. That's where you got it from? No. Oh, fuck. They don't know. They don't know. You don't know. Well, you they don't no know. Well, it could, I, I it could have been, right? I don't think well. so. Because <laughs> all my friends are healthy. So, and they all yeah. went, I still hang out with my group. So, anyway, so it can show up like 30 years later. Oh, wow. And That's so nice. I started getting like short of breath, started getting fluid on my lungs. And finally, one of the doctors at the QE2 said, we're going to do a CAT scan. And he said, it, it looks like your lung's been exposed to asbestos. You need further follow-up. Mm-hmm. 
So then I had a biopsy, I had an MRI, and they said I had methotheliomma, and I'm like, what the hell is that? I don't even know what it is. Like, you know, you don't see anybody with it. And so basically, I have a tumor in my stomach, and I have a tumor on my right lung. And um, there's really not much treatment for it. Are they benign or malignant? Oh, no, they're malignant. Oh, fuck. So you've got, like, you've got straight up tummy and lung cancer. Yeah. And that's caused by the asbestos. By the asbestos. Because of what it did to the line, is it the lining? It, it did that to the lining, and because what it did to the lining, that's like it ex- caused the cancer. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. you just have no like. Is there when they say you've been exposed to expe- asbestos? Is it like, you know, you walked into a building and had some asbestos, and you walked out, and you never went in again, and it did it, or it was like somewhere where you had to have spent some t- like some significant amount um, of time? It's kind of hard to say because a lot of people like um, that work on trains. Um, construction, mm-hmm. stuff like that, that are dealing with older buildings. Right. They can get exposed to it, and it, they'll just breathe it. Oh, oh that's okay. Am I'm I not just, close enough? No, yeah, I'm just moving it just, just a little bit. A little yeah. adjustments. So what happens is you can breathe it in, mm-hmm. and that's how you're exposed. Right. Yeah. Because it was like it, it was a it was a it was a pretty big uh, it was a pretty big thing like back in I want to say like the 40s, 50s, 60s where they realized that breaks. Uh, on cars were, were were made from asbestos and like really? all, and all these uh, all these uh, all these guys that worked in factories were were getting like really really sick and uh, and then they realized I think that might have you know don't quote me on it but I feel like that might have been sort of the beginning of the realization of how <coughs> how terrible asbestos is for the human body yeah it's crazy when like you, working you, working I was gonna say working in real estate like it's something that we test for on on most houses now like and it, if it's there it's like yeah. oh yeah and Whoa, it's like bro. a ten to fifteen thousand dollar like remediation job for like a house that's probably like two thousand square feet do like, you guys know what asbestos is not really no I've never known until right now <laughs> I know that I know that sometimes they use horse hair in in like when they're putting it together like and I a telltale sign sometimes of of asbestos in like uh floor or ceiling tiles is the signs of horse hair being in them. Um, Interesting. Yeah, oh, wow. it's not That's it, crazy. Asbestos has nothing to do directly with horse hair, but it's um but it's a material that they use at the same time to like hold things Jer- together. Jer's got the Wikipedia page up. Asbestos here. is a term used to refer to six naturally occurring silicate m- minerals. All are composed of long and thin fibrous crystals, each fiber being composed of many microscopic fibrils that can be released into the atmosphere by abrasion and other processes. Asbestos is well, is a well-known health hazard. Duh. (laughs) And use of it, uh, uh, use of it as a building material is now banned in many countries. Inhalation of the fibers can lead to various lung conditions, including cancer, which brings us to this episode right here. Um, Wow. That's crazy. So another thing that about, about the meso, Mesothelioma. 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 Thank you. Um, is it super rare, dude? It says here in the U.S. fewer than twenty thousand cases per year. Whoa, oh, really? that's very rare. Yeah. Um, so Laurel, you're you're also you were also a, a nurse, right? Yes. What type of nursing did you do? Um, I started off uh, doing uh, a lot of mental health. I was still, when I graduated, there was no job. So I kind of had to go where 
the jobs were. Mm -hmm. So I worked at the Nova Scotia Hospital as a casual staff. And then I finally went to Maine, and I did med surge, and then I did cardiac, and then I went into ICU, and then I moved back here, and I did CCU at the infirmary. What's CCU? That's coronary care unit. Okay. And then I went to Dartmouth General, and I I worked in the ICU there. And then I also did recovery room and day surgery. Did you ever? Oh, man, you've been all over the map on the yeah. nursing. Yeah, yeah. fuck. Pretty that's, much. That's and quite that's the, the resume. other thing because a lot of hospitals have asbestos. <laughs> right, like yeah. When they start tearing down the walls to do expansions, they have to label everything off, cut everything off, and put notices about God. asbestos. The irony. They're, they're condemning a lot of like hospitals and floors right now, especially when they're undergoing renovations because it's just so yeah. like. Condemning them where? Like here in Halifax. Oh, oh I yeah. thought you said in Flores, and I was like, yeah. "Where's Flores?" <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I They're heard. Condemning like certain floors oh, and sections. The oh, floors, oh, yeah, floors. sections. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, had you so, ever seen anybody? Had you ever come across uh, mesothelioma? Like a, no, somebody with it? Never. I didn't even. I've never heard of it until I was told I had it. Yeah, because wow. right. I just I saw the commercials on TV, but I never paid attention. And then when they told me I had it, I was like, "Well, what the heck is this? Like, how am I?" Like, what do I do next? Yeah, it's so fucking crazy to think about, um, you know, this type of cancer that I don't know, eighty, ninety years ago, like we didn't really think about or didn't really like wasn't an issue until we started, you know, the processes of which we would build out giant buildings or what have you. Yeah, led to us accidentally fucking stumbling into a bunch of people being fucked up through this like really rare cancer yeah and it's kind of like well what are we doing now mm. like what's that like right what do we not know right. that we don't know absolutely well and the sad part that- about when people find out i have methothelioma and that it's in my lung they're like well did you smoke and right. i'm like yeah. well yeah like in high school and yeah, because you're not cool if you don't smoke. Maybe in my, like, I was on the sunny side of the building, like, popping my cigarette. <laughs> oh, we know sunny side. Yeah, and, like, you know, but I didn't smoke, like, heavy. I would smoke, like, a pack a day. Yeah. I was, like, a social smoker. Mm. And, but they want to say that because you smoked, that's why you got the lung cancer. Right. And it's like, no, I was exposed to asbestos. And that's why I got the lung cancer. Mm, right. Th- this is one of the big things that the, the Canadian Lung Association is really trying to, like, hammer home is that the they're trying to dispel a lot of that stigma yeah that smoking is like the way that you get lung cancer that, yeah that it's like the only way oh, that you could get it it's a know? big stigma yeah. oh 100 percent. i mean and that and that goes for not just lung cancer but copd yeah uh, you know any of the lung that you lung caused diseases. it it's all your fault yeah. that's, that's right. why you're sick well yeah. you know what that yeah. even like like even in in small ways it, it i mean it exists within me i was at the I just got a family doctor for the first time uh, the other day, and I went to see him. They were talking about, uh, I was talking about uh, family history, and I said, "Yeah, my grandfather uh, died before I was born, uh, had lung cancer, and then I and then I went heavy smoker." Do you know what I mean? Like just yeah. like yeah. that, like that was like that was the association because it was kind of me almost. I feel like subconsciously going, but I won't get it because I don't smoke. Yeah. Yeah, because he got it because he yeah, was yeah. smoking. But you know what's crazy though? He I also did. was born and lived his entire life in a mine. Like, <laughs> I mean, that fucking has nothing to do with it. For sure, for sure. Statistically, like you, you increase your chances of getting lung cancer by being a heavy smoker. But 
but also like my my great aunt, she smoked like oh man, she must have smoked like five or six packs a day. Like oh my it was God. like consistent. <laughs> she was all never day not long. smoking. Pretty much, honestly. She went to sleep with a lit cigarette in her mouth. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, so this is how she died. <laughs> well, she she didn't, but uh, but she she did die, and uh, it was from like quote unquote natural causes. And uh, she was sitting in her her chair when she passed away peacefully, and like. They they didn't find her for like four or five days because oh. she lived on her own. And uh, I know the story. Now. And when they uh, when somebody came by to check on her, they could see in through the front door. She was sitting in the chair in the living room, and there was a cigarette burnt right down to the butt, in between her fingers still. Oh my! In gosh. her hand, resting on the armrest of the chair, and there was like a little burnt hole in the in the armrest of the chair. It didn't catch fire, but she'd basically been smoking right up until the last moment that she died wow but can you imagine if the from, whole like, house causes. just went up in flames <laughs> like she just died there and then the whole house just went <laughs> that would be that would crazy, be crazy. Yeah. that would be crazy i don't want to imagine that happening to my great aunt yeah let's see her yeah. imagine that <laughs> yeah. no. now, this podcast is changing <laughs> oh my god where, that, where, where were we that's the thing about smoking it's like you you yes of course smoking cigarettes is going to increase your chances of potentially getting lung cancer but it's also going to fucking increase your chances of getting any kind of cancer. It's, yeah. it's, you're, you're, you're smoking radiation. You're taking radiation into your body. And that, much, it, yeah. it, it, it's not necessarily going to just end up in lung, end up giving you lung cancer. You can get hmm. brain cancer can so, probably come from smoking, to be honest it, with you. Was there, um, when you, when you, <laughs> when you eventually, that you were told that you have mesothelioma, was that, was it just like, I have a, like you said earlier that you, you just had, you had like, what, what did you say? You had a cough or you had a... I was short of breath. Short of breath? I had been sick for about um, at least two years. And I had, like, I had issues with my, I had uh, pericarditis, which is like an inflammation of my heart. Mm-hmm. And also I had fluid buildup on my lungs. And um, I was off work because I couldn't do my job. And then I started getting short of breath all the time doing anything mm-hmm. and I went that's when I went to the hospital and they're like you have fluid on both your lungs and we're going to do this CAT scan and that's when they saw the damage mm-hmm. being being privy to the medical system like working as a nurse did when they start to like progress you down this like chain of going to see these different practitioners and specialists does that start to like send off red flags in, in your mind like do you start to get progressively more and more worried as you see more specialists Oh, yeah. Like, it was sort of like, um, um, it was weird because I kind of knew what, like, I had to detach myself from being the nurse mm. because Ooh. I kind of knew the, the way things went. And then when I started seeing, like, oncology and stuff, it was like, it was another world. It yeah. was just like, what am I walking into? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> At- the, the cancer center is pretty cool, though. They're like... They got snacks for you. They they pamper you like anything you need, anything you want. They're there for you. They pay for your parking. Anything yeah. you want, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Cancer doesn't sound too bad. No. <laughs> but then you're like, then you go in and talk to them, and you're like, I really wish I wasn't here. Yeah. Like yeah, you know, of course. Like no. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it it makes a lot of sense to try and make that place that no one wants to be. Yeah, as Just, best as it. 
the best yeah, as comfortable place. as possible. Yeah. yeah, as best as you can. Yeah. Oh, I see what you did there with as, the little as asbestos. Yeah, little asbestos uh, joke. Yeah, that was bad. Um, <laughs> as a as a nurse with like all the experience that you've you've had working in all these different areas um, over a number of years, is it hard not to like like be picky about the treatment that you receive, or or do you just kind of like sit back and let it happen? Well, the funny thing is, I knew nothing about chemo. Like, absolutely nothing. That is nothing that you learn about in nursing school. So it was all a new area for me. So I was, like, looking everything up, which, don't do that. Yeah. Because you find the weirdest things online. Oh, yeah. Even though I can usually pick through what I should Mm -hmm. be reading. Like chemo porn. You know, yeah, it's so weird to come across that. And then you're like, do I have to do that? <laughs> that is not a thing. Well, yeah, not quite yeah, that yeah, weird. Yeah, totally you know what? You it. say it's you say it's not a thing, and I would like to believe it's not. But like, you never almost, know. It probably is. It probably is a thing. Yeah, There's a lot is. of weird people in the world. Yeah. You, you never just, know. You just think about it. Someone's doing. It. Yeah. Someone's but doing you're it. right. Like it is. It was. Ta- I was having this conversation with my girlfriend the other day. Like. It is the the who's worst also, thing. Who's also a nurse? The, yeah, who's also a nurse? But the worst thing you can do is Google. Oh yeah. Y- you know, if someone tells you you have something, googling it. Yeah. It's always yeah. just going to come up with the absolute worst thing, worst case yeah. scenario possible. Yeah. It's like every time my dog. Something happens with my dog. I'm like, oh. I better Google it. And it's like, you Google it, and it's like, well, your dog's probably gonna die. And you're like, yeah. oh, for fuck's sakes, Loki he, broke his nail. The, Loki broke his nail the other day. Did you Google it? And it and was like, it was, uh, probably death. The first article, eminent, death is eminent. The first article was called. <laughs> Why your dog's broken nail is a way bigger deal than you think. And I was like, I was like, whoa, why? <laughs> and it was like, it's soft tissue. It could get infected. Then he could die, and it could oh, get into God. his bones. And I was, oh I was like, probably a thought catalog scary. article. Yeah, it's super um, scary. It's a scary place. Was chemo something that you had? You know, you were saying earlier that um, that there isn't a lot that they can do for for yeah. I, I mean your case in, in, well, in particular well with my case or? I was already stage 4 oh fuck wow so there's like not much left to do so I did do chemo last summer to hopefully shrink the, the tumors mm-hmm. but what happened was it, chemo didn't work and all chemo did was screw up my kidneys right because I have yeah. I have kidney disease on top of that like prior to that yeah, yeah. I have polycystic kidneys disease and that's a genetic disorder. Um, Wait, so what, what else do you have? You, what did you have before the cancer? You had the kidney disease. I you had, had the polycystic. I was a bad uh, asthmatic when I was born. I was 28 weeks. I was born at 28 weeks. Whoa. Um, very premature. Yeah. Um, bad asthmatic. And then that was pretty much it. And then when I hit my 20s, I got diagnosed with the polycystic kidney disease. Mm. And then hypertension, high blood pressure, and then I was pretty good for a bit, and then this happened. Wow, okay. All right, so you're going into it with a little bit of uh, some issues already. Yeah. So speaking of, like, speaking, going back to, like, not Googling things. Yeah. Um, so I, before I called you to, or texted you to ask, ask you if you wanted to come on the show and talk about <laughs> what you're dealing with, I Googled mesothelioma stage four. Yeah. And it basically says, like... 10% of people live beyond one year yeah. and like almost nobody lives beyond five years. Yeah. Um, is that, is that true or is this what? No, it's true. Cause, um, because you said that you said that like a year ago they tried to, well, like when chemo? I did chemo a year ago, 
it was hopefully they were going to be very aggressive. They were going to hopefully shrink the tumor, and then they were going to remove my right lung. The whole thing? The whole lung. Wow. Whoa. And they were going to do another <laughs> procedure called the sugar baker. Yeah, yeah. sugar baker technique. We know the sugar yeah. baker. Yeah. They were going to do that for my abdomen and Whoa. to remove that tumor. So they had to, they wanted to shrink everything down, give me four rounds of chemo, and then hopefully things would shrink, go for it, let's do it, because of my age. Mm-hmm. Right. How old are you? I'm I'll be 49 tomorrow. Okay. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. So chemo didn't work. So then nothing happened. Was the sugar, Were they like fucking throw sugar breaker out the window? Couldn't do that, it. That's not going to be. Yeah. yeah. For people who don't know, can you, in your own words, tell us what the sugar baker technique consists of? Well, basically what they do is they remove all the lining around all your abdominal organs, which is the methylthelium. And that's the lining that gets the cancer. Mm. So they take all of that off, remove the tumor, um, and then basically they wash your whole abdominal cavity with chemo drugs. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a chemo it up, wash. Yeah. yeah. And then they that, suck that all out and put your organs back in. And That's fucking Is wild. that the craziest thing? It's, it's like, like an 18-hour procedure. Yeah, Isn't it just, called the mother of all surgeries? Yeah, something it like that. It could be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's up there. It's absolutely... <clears throat> it's absolutely mind bottling. Yeah, it is mind bottling. Indeed, <laughs> it bottles your mind <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, it, it, it also. I love that it's called the sugar baker technique because it's like it does sound like something you would do if you're going to try to like bake a human. You know, like like it is. Sure. There, there's like a sort it's of like, like it's cooking. Like, it's like a it's like a turkey type step, of scenario. Step one: remove like, all remove the all innards. the remove all the stuff. Step two: fill it with your favorite dressing. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it's crazy though. Warm like, chemo, warm chemo liquid, just like bathing. The, Dude, it's so wild. How? What? How do they come up with it? How, how do they know they can do it? Dr. Sugarbaker. Dr. Why, Sugarbaker. Why, why, that's why who did came you, up with it. How did you figure that out, dude? Yeah. We got to get that fucker on here. I feel like he's almost he's certainly alive. He's in Washington, D.C. No, he is alive. Dude, yeah, he's alive. Yeah. He's still alive? Yes, man. There's he's, two Dr. Sugarbakers. There's, there's, there, and there was there's two that... There's one that's a specialist in uh, the lung, and then there's one that's a special specialist in the abdominal. Are they bros? The methothelioma, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you not remember this? We were talking about it with. Um, I remember. Sarah. I remember Sarah. the conversation in general. I don't remember the the details of him of when he was alive or not. But yeah, it's no, all very new. Like it's, it's uh, this 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 uh, technique has been. I mean, I just assume new, that, I, think, I just assume that anything or, that's ma- that's named after somebody that person's dead. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so Laura, Laura, like knowing, I guess that that stat that I was just referring to is mm-hmm. um, kind of. I guess are you. Are you preparing for to to die and like and if so, have you? I guess how do you feel about that? Like what what's uh, going through your mind when it comes to that? Well, I when I first got diagnosed, I don't know who told my mother and I. They must have told us something pretty bad because the first thing we did was we went to a lawyer. I did a will. I did a um, advanced directive. Um. And I was like, this is weird. Like, I yeah. should not be doing this. And then I was like, okay. Did it, was, was that emotionally challenging? Oh, yeah. To it, was, it was just scary. It was like, I just couldn't believe that. Like, I knew something was wrong because I had been sick for so long. And my doctors were just like, oh, you know, 
maybe you just need to lose weight. Oh, you know, you know, maybe you just like no one was treating me like there was something wrong with me mm-hmm. until there was. And mm. it was like I fought for years for someone to figure this out. And then when they figured it out, it had to be this. Like I'm thinking, nice. And like, like a day, you know, too late. Yeah. You know, to do something, to do anything like really meaning, meaningful to, to slow it down. Yeah. Like there's really no cure. So then I was like, okay, what do I do? Do I sit around and cry about it? Mm-hmm. Nope. I have to live my life. So <clears throat> I go to concerts with my friends. I plan trips to go away. Like mom and I went to Las Vegas. I'm going to Toronto next month. I just do what I can mm-hmm. to live my life and spend it with the people that I love. Um, and just, I am prepared. And I think because I believe in God that I'm just sort of, I'm prepared for death. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment that, was there a moment that where you, where you sort of like switched or transitioned to that viewpoint? Like, was there a time where it was like nothing but, you know, super scary, um, you know, don't know what to do. And then you kind of had a, a, a realization or a revelation or something. Or oh, it was yeah. just kind of in you already. Well, like last, um, like in April, I was in the hospital three times and uh, I was having ch- like chills. I had a temperature. I had migraine. I, my breathing was crappy. I did, they didn't know what was going on. I was scared. I thought, is this the way I'm going to go? Like, I, then I was scared. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got really upset and a little bit depressed. Like, I was just like, you know, there's so much more I want to do. Yeah, no doubt. Th- I'm not ready. And I got better, but then I ended up with my little friend here, the oxygen tank. Mm-hmm. And, but that's okay. You know, I'm living with it. And there's things that I could do last year I can't do this year. And there's things that I, I could do, like, even a month ago I can't do now, mm-hmm. like, as far as activity-wise. And that's the real hard part, because I feel like I can't... Like, even last night at the concert, I went to thousands of concerts, and I could always walk up the hill, you know, you park in Dartmouth, take the ferry cross, walk up the hill. I can't even dream of doing that now. Mm. And I miss those things that this cancer has taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And I've lost friends over this because they can't deal with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, did that surprise you? Um, yeah, yeah, because it was they were friends I've had for like almost thirty years, and I was just shocked that they really could not deal with it. Mm. We were talking to uh, uh, a guy named David last week, um, and he said one of the surpri- surprising things about dealing with. Uh, the intense amount of grief that he went through was was the people who actually show up when you're dealing with something really heavy, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes the people that you don't necessarily expect, but but they all of a sudden just like come out of the work woodwork and they're they're there for you. <clears throat> was has there been and people, people that like you that think will show up that don't? Who don't? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I have really good friends. Like the real true friends that I know I had, they're with me. Like they're. If I need anything, give me. A, they're like, give me a call. They'll help me. They're the ones I go out with. I I go away with on on trips and stuff, and I don't have to worry about it. But some of the people that didn't show up, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. And even family members that really thought I wasn't even sick, mm-hmm. they just thought I was playing a game. And I'm like, wow, that's what you think of me? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know. So that was hard. Yeah. 
but that's so wild. That's, I mean, it's um, yeah. You just like people that don't uh, people that don't people that can't seem to deal with it. It's not in my experience of like everything that we've talked about. It it tends not to be that they can't deal with what you're going through. It's almost like they can't deal with the idea that they could possibly have to go through that or like that's a like that's a possibility for them. Yeah. You know, like I'm seeing this happen to somebody that's a friend of mine and now I'm faced with the reality that like this is something that happens to people. And if I think about that happening to me, then that would just unravel me as a person. So like I'm just gonna <sighs> push it as far away as I can because I just can't I just can't talk about it. Like Taylor, you've been you were very much like that until you got hit by that car. Yeah. And, and I, I was like, Thank God. Yeah. He got hit right. by that car because yeah. now he'll finally be there for me. It's, it's, it's funny it's that been, it's been eight when years. I, when I have to go to the hospital. It's been eight years and now I can finally be here for you. Yeah. It's been a stress for, of, on our relationship since the day I met you. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's funny that you're you're joking, Jared, but like also before we started recording, Taylor was telling a story about how he um, he can now empathize with like the, the struggle of like somebody who lives with um, – a debilitating illness that like prevents them from being able to go out and about easily and, and yeah. do like regular and, stuff. Yeah. Like, or like yeah. what, what most people would deem as regular. Yeah. And it's yeah. not yeah. that coming, I, it's coming not that to, I, to know a new normal. Yeah. And it's yeah. not that I, and that's what it's been. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. it's like, I asked Brian, I'm like, are there stairs? Like I needed to know if I had to walk upstairs. Mm-hmm. I had to like mentally yeah. prepare for it. Or is there another way to get in there? And that's what I do. <laughs> like, even when I go out with my mom, like I, any place that has a scooter, I'm on the scooter because mm-hmm. I can't really walk for long distances either. And they're, they're generally way more fun they anyway. Are kind of so, fun. Yeah. do you yeah. want some water? Oh no, I'm good. Are you sure? And yeah. you know, it's it's not that it's not that I couldn't empathize, empathize before, but it's like there's just another layer now of of understanding. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's yeah, empath- empathy might not be the right word to use. Right. It's it is. For sure, that that level of understanding where it becomes yeah, different because you know, like the first, like after I got out of the hospital, that for like two the, the the like two or three weeks after I got out of the hospital, where I like really couldn't do anything, um, and then and then when I start when I left the house for the first time, and and I'm 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 all of a sudden asking all these questions: Are there stairs? How far? Do, like, are we going to be able to park close enough to where close enough to the the door of the restaurant or to yeah. wherever? Like. Is it on a hit? Like all these things that I would have never asked those questions before, yeah. and now I and am. that's what I have to do every day. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And you just like you, 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 you just realize, like, I don't know. It's a, it's a wild, um, it's a wild revelation. What? I, I want to talk about this oxygen tank a little more if we can. Okay. Um, uh, can you grab me a beer, Brian? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so if you took that off right now. The 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 tube that's connected. So you know, people can't see it, but it's it's like your stereotypical sort of like like clear tubing that comes up along the chest, and then you wrap it around your ears, and then there's the two prongs that go into your nose. Right. Um, if you took that off right now, would you would you be able to sustain yourself, or would you Slowly. would you be basically going out? As long as I'm sitting down and not moving around, I'd be fine. Mm. But as soon as I started to do anything, anything at all, like standing up and like walking, like if I went and walked into the hallway or anything like that, I would start to get short it. of breath. Now, do you need that when you go to sleep? Yes. Okay. And is it this, so? You, you have know, the home one though. At but home. I have the home one. I have my big oxygen 
It's like a oh, bigger version different of this. Than this. So this is only for like portable when you're out and about yeah. doing your thing. This is just when I'm going around, going places. All right. Now, uh, what kind of mileage do you get on that thing? Like, like how um, long will that last today? Probably about six hours. Oh, fuck. Okay. That's, that's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. That's not bad. If no. you turn it up high enough, could you go underwater and breathe underwater? No. <laughs> it's Are not, you it's sure? Not <laughs> it's not waterproof. It's not waterproof. Why haven't they thought about releasing this technology to the military? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, do you know, like, do you, do you have an extra tank or something like in the car that you can um, swap out with that one? Like, sometimes I'll carry an extra tank. I didn't today because I figured I had enough. To last me, yeah, and um, but right now I don't have another battery, so I'd have to use an old fashioned tank. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like yeah. a like a like a tank they're like tank. a mini one. They're yeah. like a mini one. Are these rechargeable batteries? Is that how these it works? One, this is yeah. Okay, so like you've got a process of basically like I'm out, I'm doing my thing, using this tank. Batteries are dead. Go home, charge the batteries well, at night. I can charge it in the car. Oh fuck oh, yeah! Nice. If I was going mm-hmm. on a trip. There's a, um, an extension so you can charge it in the car. Okay, yeah. all right. I gotta start course, take. I gotta start start thinking about this stuff because. Yeah. Well, how long? It, it, you know, <clears throat> everything stays steady as it as as it is right now. What do you think? What What do you think? How long until you'll need something like that? Well, it's hard, it was really hard to say. I don't know. You know, it's like my. It, it all depends on the lung function. I know, but like you've got a you you, you right now. I'm, I'm like fifty percent my lung function. You're fifty now. Yeah. Damn, yeah. dude! I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, that's not just like, like slowly been going yeah, down. Yeah, it's been steady. Yeah, like it's not. You haven't had any like. <coughs> you haven't had any like drop off. You were probably at like sixty-eight or seventy though, weren't you, when we started this podcast? Yeah, yeah, you were above yeah, seventy. About, I about think. seventy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because I keep looking at my speeches, and like uh, you're just making them shorter and shorter. Well, no, no. There's like them. there's like a little paragraph in the speech where I'm talking about my lung function, and it. It just, I got to change it. It's like my age, you know, or I'm like, I, you know, I started doing public speaking. It's like, I'm a, I'm a 28 year old man. I'm like, oh no, this year I'm 29. And I'm like, oh, I'm, th- oh, I'm 30 now. I got to put 30. And then in the same thing, I'm like, oh wait, my lung function is actually not 70. It's like low sixties. Oh wait, no, it's like, it's like mid fifties <laughs> and changing it every year. Is there a, is there a lung function where they're like, you should, you should start thinking about I don't know. I should have asked Maria that when we were having this conversation the other day. But uh, you know, our friend uh, from from town, Jamie, Jamie. Jamie, she's well. Her lung function was pretty low. She, you know, she's on the list for her transplant. So she was on the list. She got the call um, uh, a few days or like a, about a week and a half ago now, maybe. Or two oh, that they got ago. lungs for her. And there was I can't remember what it was, but uh, there was like ten or twelve hours where she was like waiting. They prepped her. They were all ready to go, and then the lungs. Didn't work out for whatever reason. Oh, oh no, that's terrible. Um, on the flip side, on like a good news note, uh, just because we've been in in contact with him o- over the last uh, week or so, Adam Delory, who was a guest on our show, uh, what a month or two ago? Yeah, Adam with the without a pulse, without the a pulse. Uh, yeah, and he had the he had the Elvat Elvat Vad Elvat uh, Isn't it Vat Vad Vad? Oh. So he got a heart transplant. And yeah, he did. It was a successful heart transplant. And uh, he's on the he's on the mend, and he's going to be back in Halifax in yeah. September sometime. We're hoping to do a follow up episode with him. Just yeah. so, just throwing that out there. Uh, so Laurel, where like where where are you at right now with like follow up and and I know that you can't really get treatment, but are you going in and seeing a doctor regularly? Yeah, I I check in with my oncologist. Um, I see him on Friday, usually every couple of weeks, and um, they were looking into. Um, Oh, what are they called? 
uh, well, we were talking about radiation um, for pain because I have a lot of pain in my right my right lung area. So I take hydromorphone for that. Okay. Oh wow, that, that's Dilaudid, right? Yep. So I take the long-acting Dilaudid for that, and it it works pretty good. Yeah. And then um, how do you feel? How do you feel on that? I mean, I was just on it. Um, like I felt clear when I was on I it. At first, I was a little sleepy. Yeah. Like a little dopey, and then I once I got used to the dose, I was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what I did you feel get itchy? Like, no. I mean, I would. I, I never itched. got the itchy. I never God. got the itchy. I found that I found that when I was on it, I felt clear. I felt like I was like totally myself. But now in hindsight, I can't really like the whole time I was on it is like a little blurry. Like I can't really remember. I remember things, but I don't remember it fully. But like it sounds like my life on yeah, a regular that basis. Happened a little bit. But yeah. I felt when I was yeah. when I was in the moment, I felt clear and like like it wasn't really affecting me that much. And the other thing they wanted to try also was uh like a research study, if there's any out there that I could mm. go into mm-hmm. um, that might help. And then they were talking about chemo, but that's off the table. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Like yeah. the potential of, um, you know, a friend of ours, Brandon, <clears throat> was a part of a couple of research studies. And like just really interesting to be a part of something. And, you know, when Brandon was, was going through these treatments, I remember having the conversation around like, like imagine if this – is the thing that they realize is like the key, you know, like if you're a part of something where they go, wow, this is, um, you were the first person we ever cured with, yeah, with, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or like something that ends up being like the, you know, the next wave of, of, uh, of like definitive cancer treatment, Yeah, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna, you know, change the world. Like just that idea was really like interesting. And I wonder who the first person was that where, where they went, Whoa, Viagra gives you a boner for that long. I think Crazy. Viagra was Viagra was for it was for it was, high blood pressure, low yeah, blood pressure, was, or yeah, something? something like that. It was for like hearts or something. And then yeah. they were like, "Oh, and it also gives you a huge boner." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some Let's guy, some guy that. named Ted, was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> screw the blood pressure." <laughs> yeah, get it. This, this is, is way more money than this. <laughs> Let's give this. To, to Can you the imagine dudes that you, need boners? <laughs> yeah, if you got, if you did get some sort of like some sort of test treatment, and you're thinking it's going to help with the lung and, and stomach cancer, but it just gives you like tel- telepathy. <laughs> and they're like, eh, you know, I'm cool. I'll keep the cancer. I'll just keep reading people's minds. And yeah, that, that would this be interesting. <laughs> Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this very short break. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. You mentioned that uh, you're like, you've been trying to really live your life to the fullest was that was that a big perspective change for you was there oh huge yeah yeah i I just felt that there was like a ticking clock like you know when they said you well you only have a year so when i bypassed the year i was like okay i made it past that year let's see how long i can go and i just but i still felt like i was trying to squeeze everything in to that year to make sure that 
I wasn't just sitting around mm-hmm. doing nothing. Because that's it, the time you're working with and you're going to, yeah. like, everything kind of needs to get in, in that. Did you make a list? Like, no. Or is it kind of just, like, day by day, all right, I want to do this? a day by day thing, like... Are there things that like you know, like mentally though in your mind you're like I really do want to want to do that or experience that? Well, there's I really want it. Like I love tennis, mm-hmm. so I'm going to the Rogers Cup nice. in, in Toronto. That would be so. Much fun. Yeah. But I really wanted to go to Wimbledon. Did yeah. you watch the match yesterday? I did, did you watch Nadal Federer? That yeah, was exciting. That was awesome. Yeah, but I can't travel over there because if I get sick over there, I'd be I'd be broke. Yeah, you know, like I can't get insurance to drive like to fly outside of Canada. So because of like a pre-exist, like if I went there right now, I'd be, I think, and I got, I got, you know, sickness, injury trouble. I'd be okay. I think. Oh yeah. But it's, it's because you have a pre-existing thing. They're because like, I have malignant cancer. They're just like, yeah. this is. Like you couldn't get RBC travel insurance. They'd be like, fucking no, no, that's no. Not dude, you no, can't. to be fair, nobody can anyway. That's yeah. a farce. <laughs> I had a really bad experience it with them. It most anyway. certainly is not a farce uh, for a lot of people. And don't pr- do not say that. It, L- trust me. The cancellation insurance. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cancellation <laughs> insurance. Yeah. Health, but if you go down to the travel, insurance if you, if you travel from Canada down to the U.S. and, and you, don't you, have get, a, you don't have a health plan and, and you don't and you and you and you don't have health insurance, you don't have like travel insurance. And you get hit by a car <clears> and you're. In Taylor's situation, where you got to spend, you know, a week in the hospital. Oh my god! Sorry. Good luck. Sorry, Dude, I was, yeah, I, was I was referring specifically up. to cancellation insurance yes. before the trip. Yes, very different. Travel insurance is really important. <laughs> Although I, I all do insurance, <laughs> all insurance is a scam. Is a scam. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, all right. Um, uh, also, free healthcare sucks. But if you did go over to if you if you did go over to the UK. Like, doesn't, I don't know how it works, but like, I know that the UK has, uh, don't they have like a pretty decent, yeah, but like, for their, for their citizens. So if you were, if you were a Canadian citizen and you were over there and you didn't you probably have, have to pay, you'd yeah. just pay like, but, but would you pay like, oh, you know, US we, amounts? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, because I you, think it would just be, just, just be insane. Super Things cost yeah. the same here. Yeah. They just, we just get, have them covered. Yeah. You know I mean? like, yeah. Yeah. So if someone came, if someone traveled to Canada and they got fucked up and they didn't have travel insurance, like they'd just be. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same deal. Yeah, yeah, it's, super yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. They would right. have to pay. That's why it's not mine, that things are cheap. They're just, we just have them covered for your taxes. We just have a, a certain coverage. That's why my, right. my well, mom. Well, even out of province. Like if you're yeah. from out of province right. and you end up here, like say you're from Ontario and you end up sick in the hospital here, you have to pay a different. Right, mm-hmm. because yeah. you're not from the profit. Yeah, there, well, was, there was that. Yeah, there was, there was a time where I had to pay something. <clears throat> yeah, uh, well, that was why you moved home from uh, Salt Spring, was it not? Yes, or one, that, of, one of the reasons. That was a little bit different. When I was in BC, my like my meds weren't really covered oh. in BC. Even if, but even if I was a resident, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't have been covered. Yeah, because it's different. It's just it's completely by province, different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that 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 is a big bummer. Is that like is yeah. that one of the big things that? Like the biggest things in in terms of, you know, you trying to live out the squeeze out the, the every last minute of life A is little the bit. travel thing. The one thing that you're like ah, one fuck. thing that kind of sucks. Cause yeah. it's like I would like to go over, mm-hmm. and it's like I can't. Well, like I mean, my can't friends, or you just well, I could, but I'd be taking a chance. A big risk because yeah. when we went to Las Vegas, I took a huge chance because I was starting to get sick in Las Vegas. And we were on our way home. And mom, my mother was just like, just get us to Toronto. Just get us to right, Toronto. Right. And as soon as we got to the Toronto, we were all like, okay, 
if she needs to go to the hospital, we're good. Right. But as long as we weren't in Vegas. And it's not like, you know, going back to the conversation that we had, um, that we had um, with, I think, was it John from uh, Credit Union? Uh, we were talking yeah. about like finances and stuff when, yeah. when you're getting your, sh- your shit together. Um, you know, if you, if, if you, it's not just like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to take that risk and maybe I'll end up in the hospital and like it'll cost an arm and a leg. But like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, my 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 life expectancy is X. So like, who cares if I have if I if I rack up a, a, de- a bill? Yeah, it's well, like, it's going to land on it's someone. Like it's going to land on somebody. And unless unless you're David from last week's episode where your entire family is dead, then yeah. you're probably not. It's not going to really land on anyone. I feel you, like it lands somewhere. Yeah, I bet you. Really? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I think. I so, mean, let's man. say let's say he didn't have a partner, and his whole family's dead. Who the fuck? It's not going to be his uncle taking the bill, dude. Well, it depends on how it's set up. That's why we had that conversation. Was because like you had to I do. Wonder. You had to do stuff with your will and keep things out of your estate or something along those lines. I can't remember now. I'd have mm. to refresh myself. But like. Hmm. What was that like doing a will? I like because I've always thought there would be a good idea. To do there, well, there was one thing that you said that I wanted to interject, but I also just I wanted to let you finish. But one thing that you said, um, and and I I don't mean to be a bit of a jerk, but you were like you, you said you know you were filling out your your advance directive and filling out your will, and your thought was I shouldn't have to be doing this, but my thought was actually. You should, e- even if you aren't sick, you should consider mm-hmm. well, filling out a will and an advance directive. I think if you well, advance directives, I do agree with you. Yeah, but I don't have any kids. I sure. don't have a husband. Sure. Um, my mother is my beneficiary on everything, mm-hmm. so everything would go to her. But then again, because of our age difference, you know, if something happened to her, then. There's really no one it would go to. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I know what you're saying, but it was just sort of like, it felt so rushed. It felt so rushed to be in that position of having to do it. Now I'm changing my will a second time because the first one was really rushed. Actually, the third time. First time was really rushed. And I was like... Wait a minute. And then I read it over. I'm like, why am I leaving them money? What yeah, right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> what yeah. did they do for me? Nothing. <laughs> so they're off, right? So then I redo it. And then I'm like, no, still not happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing it over for a third time. Because I want to be totally happy with my decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it's really hard when you start doing stuff like that. And this is my point. It's like, it, now, say you aren't sick. Say you were like Taylor before you got hit by, by the car. Um, kind of a good idea to like put that stuff into thought now yeah. and, and have it out. And, and then you have a first draft, yeah. right? And then maybe something happens. Maybe you get hit by a car. And I could have been a lot worse. And you have a moment where you go, holy fuck, that could have been really bad. If I had died, what would have happened there? And you look at your will and you go, where the fuck? I don't, leaving everything to Loki. Th- what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> I, I, I think, have got people in my life. I think if I had died there, I think Kylo would have been kind of fucked. Yeah, dude. Yeah, probably. I right. Think, so yeah. it is, it is one of but those things I, where you, you sure to be in a scenario where it feels rushed because they're like, you're going to die in like a really short yeah. period of time. Like so you, you better fucking be die. Yeah, basically. That's what I was getting at though. Yeah. Like, like for me, and the, re- the, and the reason why, I, the reason why I asked about it is because like, I, I've thought a number of times, like I should do this, but there's no, there's no like, um, 
pressure for me or like any time sensitivity Mm -hmm. in my mind to get it done because like I think, (laughs) oh, that would be a great idea, but am I actually going to put it in my to-do list for this week? Like, oh, like I'll do it, you know, I'll I'll do it sometime soon. It would be a good idea and it gives me like the good feelies to like think about doing it. But the interesting thing about, about, you know, this conversation that we're having and the, the reality about everybody's life is like, you know, when, when a thought that came up when you were talking about, you know, uh, there are some things that I could do last year that I can't do this year, like no matter what, and this is something we talk about pretty frequently on the, on the podcast, is that that will be the reality for everybody at some point. And uh, outside of the case of like, you know, you, you get hit by a car or some like super sudden thing. But, you know, if we all sort of like live at our lives, whether it's to 80, 90, 100, or we get sick somewhere along the way, we're all, it's the same. We're going to have like a similar sort of experience. Just some people get it smushed in a little bit and some people get it stretched out a little bit. But like we're kind of all going to go through that that experience. Like w- with your will, are, do you feel like you're in a good place with it now or do you feel like you want to still like make some changes? Well, I'm redoing it. And I think once I redo it, I'll be happy. Because mm-hmm. then I'll, you know, because sometimes I think with wills, you think you have to leave everybody in your family money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, why? It's kind of yeah. like inviting people to your wedding. Like, who the fuck yeah. really deserves to be invited? So, you know? I mean, a lot of my money is going to go to uh, charities. Ooh. And that makes me happy. Sweet. That's you know? awesome. So that's what I'm going to do. Cool. Because I don't feel like, you know, because you sh- there's some people I'd like to leave money and then there's some people I really don't want to leave money to. Who specifically do you not? <laughs> 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 Just kidding. My real question would be, what, 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 kind of chari- what kind of charities do you feel drawn to? Well, I like Elder Dog. Elder oh, Dog. yeah. And, They're uh, so cool. What is it? They like match up like older people with dogs. Oh, it's so easy right? to do. Is like, that, it's so that. easy to do. And when, say, the see? older person passes away, they find a new home for their dog. Yeah. It, don't you yeah. see how it's the like, cutest thing? Dogs just look like their owners all the time. It, it would yeah, be so do. easy to match dogs to old people because you'd just be like, that one looks like that guy. And do you that know? Guy looks do, like do, that do, one. Have you ever seen? Do you, have you ever seen the Gordon Sturrett? <laughs> the Gordon Sturrett um, uh, billboards around town. Yeah. He he is like he came on one of our retreats. Uh, uh, not last year, but the year before that, he is like hands down the nicest guy in the world, and he like he sponsors Elder Dog, and that's why I know Elder I know Dog. I know a lot of nice people, and uh, okay, um, he's yeah. hands down the nicest person, dude. He could possibly be the nicest person <laughs> I've ever met. Like he'd be up there for sure. I mean, there's probably a, there's probably a handful of people. Bobby Conrad's pretty nice. Bobby Conrad is pretty <laughs> fucking nice. There are some people that are up there. Uh, Gordon Stewart's one of them. Are you talking about the guy on the billboard? Yeah. He flipped me off in traffic the other day. <laughs> <laughs> See? He is the nicest guy. Anyway, Case that's how I know Elder Dog. It's such a sweet yeah. little, like, and I remember seeing it and then looking it up and going, this is the sweetest initiative I've ever heard yeah. of and in my Marley's life. And Marley's Hope. Marley's Hope's another one for dogs. Mm-hmm. And they're all for dogs, pretty much. SPCA. Yeah. Um, What's your love with dogs? What is that? Well, is that a lifelong thing? I had a poodle pass away two years ago. And, uh, you know, oh, poodles are just, the I just sweetest. loved him. He was a big standard. Yeah. Oh my God. I love him. He was like him. 80 plus pounds. He was like a massive dog. Have you, speaking yeah. of like losing, losing your pet poodle, have you had like any other intimate experiences with dealing with death in your life? Um, family members, like my grandparents and my mother's husband passed away. Um, 
I just had a friend, very close friend, pass away uh, just in April. Um, very surprising, shocking. Didn't really see it coming. Um, she had cardiac disease. Um, when it comes to uh, like conversation so about death in, in your family and with your friends, is it something that you guys find um, fairly easy to talk about or is there lots of challenges uh, around it? I usually only talk about it with my mom where we can talk about pretty much anything, mm-hmm. anything. And uh, with my friends, a lot of them are like, oh, no, you're going to be fine. Like, they're going to find something. You're going you're gonna to come out of this. Don't even worry about it. Like, they're sort of still in denial about, yeah. mm-hmm. about it. Are they in denial or are they trying to, like, are they, do, do, they, do they think that they still owe you, like, the, like, the, the, like, never give up type attitude? Well, yeah, I think that could be part of it, too. <clears throat> yeah. I'd say it would be more that. And and are you do you ever do you ever say, "Listen guys, like let's just call let's just let's just call it what it is." Yeah. Like they know my limitations. Like they see what I can and I can't do, and they sort of help me with stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think they do understand, but I think um they try like one of my friends, Christine, she's like, "You know, a friend should build you up, mm-hmm. not knock you down." Yeah. And some of my friends that are no longer my friends were just negative and they kind of knocked me down or they just walked away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think they're just trying to stay positive for me. I think that I'm really fascinated with that idea and getting to know that and understand it better because like having that conversation with your friends, because I think that we're all different and we all need, we all have different needs in, in dealing with certain situations emotionally. And, and I think about, um, I think about Brandon mm-hmm. and I, when, when Brandon passed away, I wondered if I actually talked to him enough about what the reality of dying was really like. Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of the conversation that surrounded, well, we made um, that space tre- on the show. We, we did. Yeah. But I, I know, and it's and it's one thing to sit down and talk about it for an hour on the show, which is great. But like, also, then there's the the day to day, and like, I spent a lot of time. Hey, we all spent a lot of time hanging out with them, and one of the things that I want, like, I spent a lot of time being his cheerleader. Like, yeah, you got this, dude. You're gonna be fine. This new treatment's gonna be great, and like, trying to keep that positive encouragement. Well, yeah, that's what he wanted too. Though. I know, and right. So, well. That's what I felt that he wanted, but there was never really like an explicit um, conversation about like what do you want. But definitely by the way that he acted and and by the way that he talked about his illness, like yeah, that was something that I felt that he wanted and needed, like mm-hmm. that positivity. Yeah. And I do want to say that like what I said there about like do you, like why don't they just call it, like, call it how it is? Like I don't I don't I don't mean that no, no, yeah, I don't no. mean that in the way that like. I think that no matter what the situation is, there should there should always be a slice carved out for, like, things could change. There should always be that. And if there isn't that, then then that's weird. I feel like there should always be that. Uh, but at the same time, like being able to uh, you know be in touch with be in touch with reality at the same time, you know, because it's sometimes hard to to like ask somebody and say like how are you how are you really feeling and like e- like the I find that. Even when you really ask that question, you're trying to trying to get them to open up about how they feel. I think without prodding like a little bit more, the answer is mostly yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah, my mom did that to John. Well, sometimes you don't even want to talk about it, right? Like I have one friend. Every time, every day, how you doing? Mm -hmm. How you doing? Mm -hmm. How you doing? 
Like some days you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Sometimes you mm. want to be treated like a normal person who's not sick. Mm-hmm. Like you just want to talk about something else. And then there's days that you do feel like talking about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But some people, they all they want to talk about is how sick you are 24-7. Because you don't want it to grow to define you. No. You don't like, and this it's isn't like, you. you know, there, is a, there is an importance to having a balance of like letting someone know that there's space there if they want to go there. Yeah. And that space, that door is always open. And like just having that be reiterated every once in a while, but without having to like really push you, for it you, every fucking time. Do you think you know? like sometimes the yeah. onus for that be, like is put on the person who's sick because like they're ultimately the person who d- decides when and when they don't want to talk about it? I think that that's what people tend to think. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that we, I think the people who are on the other side of it, you know, the peers or the friends of the person who's sick could probably, and I think this is where this, you know, this show comes in, could probably use a bit of a, a lesson on, on knowing how and, and when to like put that forward to go to, to let that person know the door is open. I like, I'm offering space to go here whenever you want to, but also understand that, you know, some days you want to fucking feel normal. Some days you don't want to talk about it. I think some days you really feel like there's no one to talk to. The irony in the lesson though, is the fact that it's different for everybody too. Right. So like there is no way that is best for everybody. It's just trying to, trying to continue to like to create that space to know that it is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no rule book saying like how to talk to somebody who has a a rare illness that's going to kill them. Yeah. Well, actually, we're going to write. We're writing <laughs> yeah. a rule book right now, and uh, it's, it's actually available one, for purchase on Amazon. One of the most interesting things uh, Taylor said in the last couple of months in in dealing with his um, recovery was the fact that uh, I found this fascinating when you said that everybody outside of your immediate friend group, when you run into them on the street or out in public, the one thing that they talk about with you is like, "Oh, how are you doing? Yeah, like how's your recovery?" And it it grows to become like the only thing that people, yeah outside of your immediate sphere start to talk about. Yeah. And there's something oddly, weirdly nice about it. Like as much as I've kind of grown to go, okay, well, I don't want to just be the fuck. I don't, I just don't want to be the guy who got like smashed by a a car. Uh, but like, there's something weird about being, um, and uh, like I experienced the, the like, you know, people taking care of you, you know, super concerned about you. Every like, you you kind of see everybody like come to the fore and 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 you know reach out and want to do something for you or see if they can lend a hand. And there's something like oddly nice. Uh, there's something oddly nice about it um, that I went through and I was kind of like, is it weird that I kind of like it? <laughs> like it like it's it's kind of weird. It's and and it's and attention then, though, like it's, yeah, and and I think that as human beings, we like to to know that we feel loved and supported and feel that attention from other people. So yeah, but it, it, it but only then, got weird when you started using soothers, yeah, and like you know, asking Di- us to diapers, change your diapers, diapers. which like you didn't even need diapers, yeah. Like but I that's wanted, when it, but I wanted them. That's when it felt awkward for me. Yeah, but I wanted you to change. And when you me. wanted me to put together uh, that crib that you got. Kyla to buy from Ikea, a man-sized crib. I didn't even know that they had that. You know, I'm just trying to live out something that I've always wanted to live out, you know? I'm just, there's something... 
like we said earlier, there's, there's something there. There's, with, some, there's something for everyone. I, I just want to be a baby. Sorry, Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> um, really sorry about uh, this. Just to, just to change things up a little bit, Laurel, um, there's a question that we ask all of our guests, uh, and it's a two-parter. Okay. Um, and we, I, I feel like we've partially kind of dived into this throughout the conversation, but I'd like to hear your answer to it uh, regardless. Out of everything you've gone through so far, what would you say is the biggest thing that this, your cancer has taken away from you? Um, that's a hard one. Well, definitely spontaneity because I can't just mm-hmm. go and do stuff. Mm-hmm. And even planning a trip is like, okay, can I rent a scooter when I get there? Do I have to walk very far? Like everything has to be, like, I never had to worry about that. Like if I wanted to go somewhere, I booked the ticket, I left. Mm. It wasn't all these extra additives. Get a wheelchair at the airport. Mm-hmm. Make sure someone's there to take you to and from the <clears throat> arrival or whatever. You know, it's just mm. control. Like I feel like I've lost a lot of control in my life. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Um, hmm. I don't know. Um, kind of, I, I look at things a lot different now. Um, I really enjoy the things that I do with my friends more now. Like I just, like even last night, it was just great to be with my friends. You know, it was loud. We couldn't hear each other talk, but (laughs) we were all together. We were all having fun. And I just savor those moments Mm-hmm. A little bit more than I did. Like I don't take those things for granted. Do you feel like you anymore. have this, this like moment in those moments where you step back and just kind of look at things and you're like, "This is really nice." Yep. I, I've been trying to have that more often. Like when when I'm doing something that I really love, just kind of like taking a pause for like a couple of seconds and, and just mm-hmm. really trying to like sit there with that like level of happiness and and. I find that that's been really profound for me, but because it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of the way that it should be, ideally, but it usually takes a life-altering uh, diagnosis, an accident, uh, a loss. Like we we go through these. It's it's typically something super extreme that'll that <clears throat> that allows us to see how important the simple little things are yeah. in life. I feel Unfor- the, unfortunately, I, th- I think the act of me actually doing that and stepping back in the moment and just really trying to pause for a second, uh, that's come from the conversations that we've had yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that taking that moment of gratitude, I think is very important. I, Drew Dudley actually, it, it reminds me of the time right before, um, I went up to deliver the TED Talk in Toronto. Our friend Drew Dudley was there in the audience. And uh, I saw him before I went up and I was like, hey, do you have any, do you, he's a, he's a, you know, a world renowned speaker. And uh, he started his career there at, at TEDx Toronto a number of years back. And so I was like, do you have any advice like for when I get up there? And, and I've been doing this ever since that moment. He was like, yeah, as soon as you stand up there before you do anything, just look at where you are and say to yourself, this is fucking awesome. And don't cough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely don't cough. Um, but I've, I've found myself doing that so much more in my life of just, of, yeah. of no matter what it is, just sitting and going, this is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and just taking that moment of gratitude to just acknowledge, hey, life can be amazing. 
Life is amazing. And whether it's, you know, those moments of hanging out with your friends, watching De- Def Leppard at the Metro Center or, <laughs> or zipping around Vegas on a scooter. On a scooter, you yeah. Know? <laughs> this is fucking awesome. Yep. Uh, this was fucking awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us in. Or thanks for, for having, inviting me. Thanks for coming <laughs> in. Thanks for having us into our studio. Yeah. Just like just just do a just do a one eighty on that, and we'll we we'll, we'll have it nailed. Um, but yeah, it really means a lot. So thank you for taking the time. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week as we always are with another fantastic episode. And in the meantime, go to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and a review. Uh, I was actually going through some of the reviews and there there's there's a couple of really funny ones. Oh really? Yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to? Do you, wanna, do you have to um, bring one up? My or? internet. Uh, my the VPN's all fucky. I gotta figure it out. Um, Why are you using a VPN, Jared? Who are you trying to hide from? The government uh, and my mom. Um, so yeah, so you can do that, or you can also support us on Patreon. www.patreon.com/sickboy. Lots of fun stuff there. Uh, yeah, and uh, ma- major support from everybody that's there. We love we love y'all, and uh, mm-hmm. you make a lot of things uh, possible for us to do. And really, you guys have been our driving force since the uh, since the very beginning. So thank you so much for Plus, all the support. Plus, like it's basically an exclusive members club. Yeah, yeah like yeah. that. That uh, Discord server with all the, it's popping the chatter that's going popping, on there, popping. it's, it's yeah. really great. It's There's some gnarly photos on that chat right now, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, we have a we have a we have a, a channel called Graphic Content, and it's just people uploading their like surgery photos and shit. And I'm like, oh my god, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Hey, I was uh, I featured I, I featured have, yeah. I featured myself on that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and thanks to Donovan, the CPAP Morgan, for the amazing sound design on this podcast. Uh, Donovan, we literally couldn't do this w- without you. Very literally. Thanks for uh, making us sound like we are headed towards a foggy coastline in a boat that's traveling way too fast. But thankfully, there's a foghorn going off that's diverting us to travel in the opposite direction of the island that we're about to smash Dude. into. And maybe right at the end of that, just as an ode to the oxygen tank, a little like Darth Vader type sound. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Make my voice sound like Darth Vader as I say, Oh no, we are carrying a, a bunch of horses and we're going to crash in the Sable Island. Oh. Wow. Good luck, Donovan, with that one. All right. Uh, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Laurel. And this is Sick Boy. <laughs> We called you Laurel the whole time. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I get that all the time. Oh, Damn Laurel. Damn it. <laughs>